think they're good or not, they do change the way you see things forever. I think there's something really profound and actually really holy um, in us stepping out from where we are, like James said, and taking those like the scales off and stepping into where somebody else is, because that's what Jesus did. Hello and welcome to the Together Podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Chris and on this episode we're talking about alternate realities. This may sound a little Doctor Who-esque but bear with me. If you're listening to this podcast, the chances are you're in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world. Now you may have worked hard to get there or your parents did or even their parents before them, but the truth is we all needed some luck to get started. Have you ever wondered what life would be like if you weren't born into the family you were? if you weren't born into the society you were, and all the opportunities that come with that. Perhaps you'd be struggling to put a roof over your head, or to afford enough food, or maybe you'd be fleeing from war and conflict. I don't say this to make you feel bad for something that's out of your hands, but rather to consider an alternate reality. For roughly 705 million people around the world, living in extreme poverty is their reality. So how are we meant to live our lives in the knowledge of this? Joining me today, I have... Abby. Hi. And James, thanks for coming, guys. How you doing? Yeah, yeah good. Thanks. Good. Yeah. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So today we're going to start off by talking about what it means to live in an interrelated world, what it means to live in a globalized world. Then we'll be hearing from some church leaders from Birmingham Vineyard Church. Which you spoke to James. I did indeed. Um, and finally, we'll talk a bit about a really interesting experience we all had together. <laughs> called the food journey <laughs> i'm still a bit scarred for it <laughs> but we'll get we into that later yeah. for now let's get started this morning i threw back bedding made in india then showered and wrapped myself in an egyptian cotton towel i dressed in jeans made in bangladesh a shirt from malaysia and a cardigan stitched together in sri lanka i put on trainers made in the philippines and headed downstairs for breakfast I had fruit juice from Peru, coffee from Nicaragua, and a banana grown in Ecuador. As I left the kitchen, I grabbed some chocolate, cocoa beans from Ghana, threw on my jacket made in Hong Kong, picked up my bag from China, and reached the door. At 8am, having been up for one hour, I've come into contact with a dozen countries and hundreds of people. Martin Luther King, speaking in 1967, said, Did you ever stop to think that you can't leave for your job in the morning without being dependent on most of the world. That's from the Global Getter on the We Are Tips website. So, guys, what are your thoughts on the Global Getter? This idea that we can't go more than, like, I guess, five minutes in our lives without having been in touch with the whole world, in a sense. It's really, um, I find it really humbling and also quite um, intimidating um, that we're so dependent on so many thousands of people to do something so simple like have breakfast or have a shower or get out of bed. Mm. It just totally blows my mind. It does. I think it just makes you as well think how globally connected we are. Because if I was to go throughout my whole flat or like my whole house and kind of make lists of mm. everything from everywhere... Like, you've pretty much 
at, at the moment, if you've imagined the lives of people that you're depending on, like there's people from like all over the world that are you are relying on in your morning routine, in your uh, commute to work, all of that kind of stuff. We rely on the whole world. And I sometimes think actually when we think about the impact of the lives of those people, it's really, it's it's trying to, I always try and think, it, it almost makes me think that there's, there's that level of distance. Mm. Um, so actually I can use that orange juice, but I'm not actually seeing the person that made it. So yeah. there is that level of distance and like I can go and shop at clo- like the, the clothes I buy, for example. I go and buy them, but I'm not seeing the person that made them tangibly there behind the till making the clothes for mm. me. And I think the danger is, especially for us in this country, when we think actually we're so globally connected, but we don't know the people. Mm. Um, and I think that kind of feeds into this thing of, we don't really think when we go and buy our clothes, um, mm. who's there on the other end. Like if I actually saw, went to certain stores, and I saw the horrible kind of treatment that, that their workers are in. If I physically saw that behind the till, as I'm picking up my clothes, mm. would I think twice about where I shop? Would I think twice about where I buy my coffee from? Would I mm. think twice about my daily routines? Or would I really think about the rhythm if I was really trying to think about the impact that my actions tangibly here are having on the people around the world? Yeah, I, I think, like, hearing you, it makes me realise, like, well, I've known this for a while, but how automatic our society is here, yeah. in a sense of, you don't have to think about anything. Mm. I can't remember the other day, I was literally, I said the other day, not like yesterday, but, <laughs> yeah. but I remember just like turning on the hot water in my in my bathroom and just being like, I actually have no clue how that works. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like magic, pow. <laughs> and I think, um, I think especially in the UK, I think the way even like when you think about supermarkets, mm. the way our food mm. comes is all very much this hit really like clean cut package mm. with no story of how it's come to you or, mm. or how it works. And I think our our response to that kind of is almost like a little bit twofold because we we want to make sure that the livelihoods of people around the world, almost like our global family, are thriving, that they are entering into the fullness of life and our consumer choice can help provide people income and stuff like that. So I think it's not completely avoiding a buying clothes um, and it's not... Um, thinking actually clothes made in certain countries, therefore, like, we should avoid that because actually there are people at the other end that need money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's using our consumer choice to make sure we're investing in places and, you know, supply chains that really treat their workers mm-hmm. fairly, that allow them to thrive, as well as using our voice that we have the privilege to have, to speak up, to influence. But I think it's that whole thing of thinking, let me invest my money fair, like in a place yeah. that is really supporting and championing. So there's lots of different clothes brands, for example, and food brands. And, you know, obviously you've got fair trade. There's, there's, um, shops like, uh, know the origin, which are really good at making sure that actually there is a real transparency, mm. um, and you choosing to invest yeah. more there, I think is really beneficial. Yeah. Um, as well. It's great to hear you talk about the positive things that we can do to have an effect, a good effect on people worldwide. I guess, um, you know, you, you kind of talked about it indirectly, talking about fashion, actually the strain of, that we put on people in countries so far away that we don't we don't think about in terms of our demand for clothes and stuff. It's one of those things where I think it gets to the crux of that thing that we are all so interrelated, we are all mm. so interconnected. So we think about someone who's working in a sweatshop, getting paid almost nothing, and we think, oh, that's terrible. And we kind of disassociate it from ourselves. Yeah. And actually, yeah. no, what we're doing is a cause for that. 
Yeah. And it's not to say, it's not to make people feel guilty or to be like you are the reason poverty exists, but it's to know that actually poverty isn't this kind of just thing that just floats around and just just decides <laughs> oh, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna mess it up here. It's more mm. actually a thing of it's a system that we're all by that we're either working with or working against. Mm. And I don't think there's like an in between there. You have to make a decision. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's the fact that that decision is costly. There is an inconvenience that I have to change my shopping habits. I have to mm. actually think consciously about what I'm doing. I might not buy that. I might not go to that place. Mm. And and as we talked about earlier, our our society is kind of built up to almost like make us kind of almost go and shop at those places because mm. it, shops are set up to be convenient. Mm. And unfortunately, convenience comes at a price that we then don't see. Um, and us choosing to live in a different way, us choosing to almost live in the way of Jesus means that we choose to live in a different way that means that everyone can thrive but that is costly and sometimes really annoying like the yeah. fact that you, then you have to be like oh, i can't sh- like i've got this place right next to me it'd be so much more convenient for me just to nip across the road mm. and get blah 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 blah, mm. blah and i can't do that anymore but it's that whole thing of actually as an act of my worship i'm gonna be like you know laying down my life sometimes looks like an inconvenience yeah. um actually most of the time looks like an inconvenience <laughs> um and that also means like i think it's that's kind of bigger conversation in terms of discipleship but i think it also means like this i i don't just get what i want and what i want isn't easy and i'm like yeah. ah um, <laughs> so hard though so hard to always have that on the forefront of your mind as well well it's like when we were um hearing from jack on that event we were at on wednesday mm. about um with some of the youth workers and just like um, he put it really well, um, I think Jack was on your podcast last month, um, and he put it really well. He was saying about how um, we we have a choice to um, look straight at um, the people, the human beings that are behind the things we consume, eat, buy, whatever that might be. We have a choice to like yeah disassociate ourselves and say you know what actually I'm not gonna. I'm not going to think about where the materials for my phone came from and I'm not going to think about the the way that my shirt was made or the way that my jeans were sold or whatever it was um but actually it's it is as easy in 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 this actual process of saying I'm going to look at this person but also unbelievably heartbreaking and hard mm-hmm. because you've got to look at that person mm. who you have like you don't really know much about or you have never heard much of that's really difficult and yeah like I said really heartbreaking because you realize that there are consequences to you actually seeing that person and seeing the conditions they live in and seeing that that causes such extreme poverty yeah. and being like you know what I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna change my actions because I can see it has that impact on you yeah. um it's that act of like walking humbly with God mm. and acting justly and loving mercy in Micah six eight. That that is real. That's a call that we have. That's not that serious. Mm. That that comes with a really big challenge to mm. us mm. as people who love Jesus and that has that significance. Yeah, and I think as well, it's all in the context that when we talk about the justice journey, we talk about it being a journey because we're all kind of learning, we're learning what, how this, how this call to justice actually works out in our contexts, in our rhythms of our daily lives. And also with the journey, this is the whole idea that actually we, we're not quite there yet, that there's always a, there's always mm-hmm. progress. And I think understanding it, uh, that we're on a journey um, of justice means that we don't have to be, um, 
we're not we might not necessarily be at a certain place yet but we're on a journey towards that place we're mm. on a journey of what justice looks like in our lives in our context in our rhythms um and i think understanding it like that actually giving ourselves a little bit of grace that actually is it's the main thing is actually where are our hearts inclination what's mm. our um are we actually tangibly trying to make this work um are we trying to live out this call to justice or are we kind of almost like the um the the kind of people on the road of um the kind of with a good Samaritan are mm. we just kind of seeing the issue and walking away because we choose not to we yeah. choose not to look the issue in the face yeah definitely and walking together in that I think mm. like I think about like to use like a metaphor I remember uh last year like 2017 doing a Machu Picchu very like stereotypical tourist stuff um, <laughs> but it was great and it was uh, I couldn't I'm thinking about it I could not imagine doing that by myself mm. it would have been so long it would have been like I would have had no one to like keep me going whatever yeah. and it was a thing of, I remember I got really ill just before we did it so literally the day before I was like am I gonna make it I don't know um but luckily I bounced back and just enough to keep going whatever and um I remember starting off all right being kind of in the middle of the pack and being like, this is all right, I'm doing okay. And then like day two, just be like, wow, I'm dragging at the back. Mm. Um, but it's like, no matter where you are in that journey, there is always someone, at least someone there to be like, come on, we can do it, let's mm. keep going. Yeah. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd look at the front and be like, those people at the front, I understand how they're doing it, but they're, they're leading in some way. And actually yeah. that gives me inspiration to say, I know they can, I've known they've made it. Yeah. So I think I can yeah. as well. I can at least get to where they are. Yeah, I think that that idea of togetherness and being each other's champion, I think, is really key in the justice journey. Because I think sometimes the criticism of people that are maybe a little bit further on in their justice journey um, can always look back and be like, come on, guys, pick up almost like a pick up mm. the pace, like you're doing it wrong, like or you're not doing X, Y and Z. Um and that can sometimes then really demotivate people to mm. kind of go like, actually, if we if we judge each other on where we're at, if we judge each other on how we're doing on our justice journey, can I think sometimes almost make people less willing to walk. Like, mm. but we want to be each other's champion. The scripture always talks about this whole idea of encouraging each other and championing on each other um, in just wider discipleship and being each other's champion. I think that whole idea of togetherness, actually being almost like those kind of like being the people's best cheerleader mm. as we walk through this, as we maybe kind of go through the muddy waters of working out what's good, how it works in our rhythm, but but really championing and cheerleading on um, each other to make sure that we are living out the way of Jesus as best as possible, um, I think is a real way that we could, like, we, we journey together. Like, when we journey together, we go far. That's that's just yeah. why. Yeah, um, and I, I, think the ro- I think the road is really complicated because I think... It's one of those things. I think when you start out, it's kind of like you have all these good intentions, and sometimes they don't even come out in the right way. So I remember, for me, I remember uh, back in 2013 uh, going to Bolivia. You can hear, you can see a theme here. I'm a bit of a South American fanatic, <laughs> um, but I remember being there for a few months. And whilst we whilst we were there, we were staying with a, with like a host family. And they would cook. They would cook for us. We'd help cook and stuff. And I remember one of the things we'd always be eating was quinoa. Mm. And it was like, it was like cool for like the first few days. Mm. And then like afterwards, I'm like, I'm sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget this one time. It was like quite late into it as well. Where um, we came home, 
uh, like from like a bit, we would like volunteering in the evening, or whatever. We came home, and our host mum, she like made uh, she made lasagna. I remember being so excited, and then biting into it and realizing it was made out of quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I say that to say um, out there, quinoa is like basically like their staple diet. Mm. Really easy, really good nutritious food for them, whatever. Uh, that year, 2013, was around the year where in the UK everyone was going crazy for it. It was like, mm. oh, this superfood is going to save you, and it does, and it's not meat, so you're saving the world, <laughs> or whatever. And um, in the one sense, it was good. That was good intentions of being like, let's look to meat alternatives that can give you the same nutrition. But I also saw being in Bolivia that actually the strain for their their resources with quinoa was getting crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, so much of it was getting exported out of the country. Yeah. The price of it was getting was going up inside the country. So it's this weird kind of, like, the degree to which we are connected is so much that actually, even when you're trying to do something good, it can get so complicated and you have mm-hmm. to really figure out, actually, how do, I, who, how do I go about this the best way? Which I think is why, like, when you talk about discipleship, it's so, it's so good and it's so important to have people ahead of us who can kind of pass on their knowledge, pass on their wisdom, and to also always return back to what is God saying in this moment, to what is the Bible saying in this moment. Despite knowing we live in an interrelated world, we all still seem to struggle to make selfish lifestyle choices that will help those living in poverty. But how would we feel if the shoe was on the other foot? James caught up with some church leaders in Birmingham to talk about an experience they had, which gave an insight into what it's like to live in extreme poverty. Hi, um, I am with uh, two people from Birmingham. Would you just mind introducing yourselves? So, hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Michael. Great, cool. And um, you are both leaders within the church context in Birmingham. Um, as a Christian and as a church leader, how does faith shape your response to poverty in the world? Yes, yeah, so I think it's, it's a really interesting question. Um, and I think, you know, throughout the Bible, we're taught um, that we should care for those around us um, and especially for those that may be less fortunate than us. Um, but I suppose day to day, it's quite easy to forget about that. Um, mm. And, mm. you know, in being in a city, um, there are um, quite a few people around um, especially where I work that um, are less fortunate than me um, and actually sometimes it's you know you're like okay I should probably be more aware of this and spending some more time with it and um, but it's sometimes hard to know how to actually impact mm, on that mm. um, that's probably the thing that I find mm. the most challenging about it is how how we actually do something yeah, and what, is there anything, I suppose, from the biblical picture, like both of you kind of alluded to kind of this biblical picture that shaped your idea of poverty and idea of justice in the world? What in particular from uh, from the Bible, from Scripture, has kind of helped to kind of form that, would you say? Is there anything in particular that's kind of you have pulled out, anything in particular that's kind of struck you from the Bible that's helped to form your, your kind of view of poverty? I suppose for me... What what stands out for me is just the time that Jesus had to spend with people. Mm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the time we think about how do we help um, and it might be giving to charities and, and things like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but so I cycle um, to and from work and actually um, I come off of the canal in Birmingham at Bourneville Station and there was someone 
um, just sitting by the station who um, normally just ask for money as people are coming off the train. Um, so I just stopped and just chatted to him and, you know, just had a bit of a conversation about like how he'd got to where he was and um, which was nice just to spend some time and then said, oh, look, can I grab you a coffee? And he lived around the corner. He had like a, a mug with him. So I just made him a cup of coffee actually just to spend some time talking. Um, and, you know, it didn't necessarily lead to a conversation about faith or anything like that. There's, there wasn't any like agenda behind it but just actually spending time with people and actually, mm. you know, it would be in some ways far easier just to give, you know, a pound as you walk past and then just walk on. Yeah. Um, but actually, it, you, it, you could see it made a real difference just stopping and noticing mm-hmm. and spending that time. And I think that's probably been shaped by just how Jesus kind of demonstrates that to us. Yeah. And I think that's so countercultural, isn't it? When we mm. think about especially our society, which is all about busyness and We've got to be somewhere. We've got to do something. And I love that picture of actually, um, as you said, Jesus in scripture pauses, he stops, he goes at a different pace and a different rhythm. And I love that, that almost trying to apply that in our everyday life, especially when we think about attitudes of kind of local poverty and local justice that we see around us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's pretty great. Kind of Aaron, did you have anything? Yeah, I think um, just to hold barriers in, in terms of Jesus didn't limit himself to one specific group or within the the whole kind of scope of justice it was it was anyone and everyone and I think for me um kind of that's really shaped my view of justice and you see that through scripture as well yeah absolutely and you know that's that's what happens and I particularly music speaks to me I listen Mm. to a lot of music and there's a song by Brandon Heath that talks about um us having God's eyes to see these things for people who are in poverty who are broken-hearted and you know, having almost that prayer to have God's vision for those people. Um, you know, like you say, it's very, it can be very countercultural. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Aaron and Michael, you uh, did last year, you did uh, with some of the people from the church community, you did the Mean Bean Challenge where you ate nothing but <laughs> rice and beans for five days and uh, <laughs> raised money to end hunger. Yeah. Um, Obviously a very immersive experience. I mean, how was that for kind of both of you <laughs> as you kind of journeyed through that stuff? It was it was good having someone else to do it yeah. with, I think. Um, there was that yeah. kind of shared look, I remember, mm, yeah. on Sunday morning <laughs> yeah, yeah. across the room of like, this is really tough. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing that struck me most about it, um, because I think we discussed beforehand, we knew it was going to be hard. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> It was just the, I think the two things that struck me most were how much we enjoy eating Mm. and actually those meals were not something you looked forward to. (laughs) It was kind of something that you're like, okay, I know I have to eat. I need Mm. to have energy from somewhere, but I'm not looking forward to this meal at all. Mm. And then eating the meal and after the meal, still not feeling satisfied, still feeling hungry even though you've just eaten mm. like what would essentially be quite a lot of calories yeah, yeah. from rice and beans, but not feeling satisfied. Mm. Um, and yeah, it just really puts into perspective that, you know, we were only doing this for a week and there's an end point and you're like, okay, I just need to get <laughs> through the next few days and then like I can go back to eating normally. But the fact that there's people where this is all they have there is no escaping it and they have that feeling the whole time um 
just makes it a bit more tangible as to what that's really like. Mm-hmm. I think the amount that 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 uh, we ate was still way more than probably well yeah. it is way more than some some people yeah, have to eat and, and yet like Michael was saying like coming away from your meal thinking man I'm still starving and and mm-hmm. um and not and again yeah not really appreciating the food I think it gave me a, a whole new appreciation for for that for sure and and also just I think um yeah the week was just really tough uh in terms of just functioning, doing like doing, you know, I've got a twenty-month-old baby and 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 trying to kind of parent, work full time, yeah, um, yeah. and and be present at different things without feeling like because basically all you all you felt the week was like I am starving, I am hungry, mm-hmm. and it's trying to get away from that mindset, um, particularly when you're coming off, uh, you know. I'm a bit of a caffeine junkie, I suppose. So trying to come off caffeine yeah, and sugar, yeah, I which that. I did cold turkey, and, and which think, was ridiculous. Yeah, that's probably how we approach it differently because I started to cut down on caffeine before we hit the challenge. Great, very responsible. To which then on like the first couple of days, you're like, I've just had a headache yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Tuesday, yeah. I thought I was just going to collapse because my head was just pounding. Like, so. mm. And Michael, you touched on actually that idea of almost like doing it together, that whole mm. idea that you thought it was great that you guys did it together. Would you say that actually it brought you closer as a church community, kind of that, that idea of doing it together? Was there kind of that close shared experience? Yeah, definitely. And it, it, it gave you something to talk about in terms yes. of how you were feeling, what, what kind of thoughts were going through. Mm. Um, and yeah, there was a few of us that did it and then a few, like a load more people from our church also did it. Mm. And I think also when we, when we chose to do it as youth leaders, we were doing this TIFF and uh, we are uh, course and we, and we made a, a conscious decision at the start to say, actually, if we want to see young people get involved in this and do it, we've got to, mm. we've got to do it ourselves, regardless mm. of how difficult we think it's going to be. You know, we're calling you to do this, but we're not just calling you to do this. We're going to actually do this as well. And, mm. um, Unfortunately, we just got we got the week where the mean bean challenge was. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm. And what would you say if you had to kind of like summarize in terms of what was your takeaway from the experience? Oh, I think for me, it's just the. I don't think we appreciate how much that impacts on your whole life. Mm. Just that one thing yeah. of not yeah. having a good meal mm. every day mm. how much it impacts on not just your physical but your mm. mental mm. your social output yeah. um and the fact that you know there are people that are living like that mm. and you think oh yeah it must be horrible to be hungry but it's it's so much more than just being hungry because it impacts mm. on mm. your whole life yeah, yeah i think i probably agree in that in terms of the impact that it has on you and, and then and i think the other thing was it, it it just gave me a new appreciation of being able to share some of this stuff that's going on with other people. I, you know, I've got some friends who who actually did sponsor us to do it and, and mm. gave to do it, and um, but they had some questions about why I was doing it and where did it all come from, and, and it actually it gave me a new appreciation of actually like when when we're chatting to people about faith and stuff like that, mm. it doesn't have to always come through the means of sharing the gospel straight away actually it can come through different means and actually some you know a new appreciation for the way that some people can connect with Jesus so one of my friends was really impacted by us doing the mean being challenge now she's not a Christian yet but but the fact that she was like oh man this is going on in the world like 
it gives you a new appreciation to 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 be able to share that with other people to say actually this is this is like real life for people in you know many parts of the world and uh yeah and and also you know we had a a, a young person who was who actually had lived in Malawi and and when we did the youth session she was able to actually share because a lot of the youth were like oh that's that's probably like not that bad it's probably it's probably oh, better yeah. than that they're probably doing more than that mm. but actually this young person was just there to just say actually no it is like that it totally mm. is like that and that's that's probably a, a good version of that if there is a good version of that like yeah. there are people who live on way less than that or go yeah. days without food and yeah and so yeah it's given me i suppose a, a new appreciation to actually do more about that kind of thing as well so we can you know we can look at just this stuff locally but but sometimes we neglect what's actually going on further afield that we can definitely you know by a simple act of giving up you know the luxury of, of, of eating the food that we eat for a week we can have a you know such a, a big impact if you're interested in doing mean bean it's back again this year from the 20th to 24th of march we'll be eating nothing but rice and beans to raise money to end hunger you can also do the weekender 48 hour version as well for more information or to sign up, visit www.tearfund.org forward slash meanbean. Those sort of immersive experiences can be really useful for helping us gain perspective on how others live around the world. The three of us got to share quite a unique experience together, <laughs> which was also all about perspective building. We went on the food journey. So, spoiler alert to people who are listening, if you ever, if you wanted to do this yourself, I hear it pops up here at a few places around the UK, but we're going to talk about what even is the food journey, first of all. Who wants to kind of have a stab at what what it's all about? So, I think I signed up for it because um, it was a seminar thing at a conference we went to, and... um, it had food in the title <laughs> and I was like oh wow it must be fun we must get to eat stuff and then um James and Chris were like yeah okay I'll do that with you yeah, yeah I'd love to yeah. I'd love to eat food with you so we went on this thing um I don't even remember how long it was do you remember how long it was like a I think couple it was of like about an hour about an hour yeah, it all yeah. just kind of whizzed by didn't it yeah, yeah um and basically it was um a seminar with like totally sensory experience with food but not like the kind of thing you get in like a kid's science museum where you're like experience your senses it was like we all sat in a room blindfolded um and yeah different things happened (laughs) um we're still processing it (laughs) um but yeah and then um you kind of get told a story of food but not like what I thought it might be like a pineapple yeah. is in the field in this country and then this is what we do to bring it to our supermarket. Yeah. But it was actually the story of the history of food, yeah. like man and food. I mean, we became food. We, be- we, we were became, food, we yeah. soil, right? We, we were worms. I feel yeah, like I was yeah. a worm at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and, I, yeah, I like, 
I realised I would probably not do very well in like Bird Box or something because obviously like we were blindfolded as it was going on and I was like I've got no idea what's going on I've got no idea about my surroundings and all of a sudden like there's a leaf in my face yeah. and and stuff like that and I'm like man if I was in the if I was in that film like I'd have absolutely like how they how they navigate if you haven't seen it, it's a good film but if they if they have a, how they navigate with blindfolds on I'm like mate I've got no idea. But actually, in all seriousness, I the thing I did that I think that was really good is you almost kind of get this picture of actually all these different things that essentially, when we talk about the food journey, mm. actually there's so many different things that impact our food journey and the history mm. of the food journey as well, that actually how, like, you know, at one point it was really kind of going down and looking at, like, slavery and stuff like that. And actually, although it was, you know, very surreal experience, um, very surreal, um, but even in that surreal experience, making it made me realise, like, oh, my gosh, like, there's so many things I haven't even thought about when mm. things come to kind of, like, mm. land on my plate and the journey of that. Yeah, having, like, all the sound effects and the, and the music and stuff they played... And then, you know, you're having them, like, come around, like you said, like, putting leaves in your face, mm. shoving food in your mouth. Mm. Um, it was a really, it was really surreal. And I remember thinking, at one point, I was like, I don't even know how many people are in here anymore. Like, <laughs> it felt like there was, like, ten people just walking around with food, shoving it in your mouth. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, like you said, it was a really kind of, I think, a powerful way to kind of look at, actually, the journey of food around the world mm. and how food even gets you. I mean, I think... The person running it, and she says something really interesting. When she goes to the supermarket, she doesn't understand why there's a world food section. That's mm. like one aisle, because actually 99.99% of our food is from all around the world and would never have made it here without something happening. Mm. Um, for me, I found the, the slavery bit really kind of like, it was really emotional. Mm. And in a weird kind of... I feel like I don't know what, how I should be acting right now. Because mm. essentially, for those who are listening, you kind of get taken onto a slave ship mm. and you're essentially made to be to feel like a slave. Mm. And, um, yeah, I remember just sitting there and being like, damn, this is yeah. a lot. And it's totally, when you talk about immersive, totally immersive, isn't it? Like, they sprayed salt water in yeah. the air and rubbed rum under our noses and there was the sound of waves and a ship creaking Mm. and then they started yelling like sailors would be yelling and and they made us stand up and then there was like the jangling of chains Mm. and and we had to hold a chain I mean we're not just talking like try and put yourself in a safe (laughs) shoes it was oh no we're we're doing this oh oh, wow okay this is Mm. actually this is legit and yeah yeah and I think there it's really interesting to think about actually, although um, they were alluding to kind of like the historic kind of slavery of sort of like you're thinking about um, sort of the the kind of, um, yeah, in the 1800s kind of time, mm. but actually there are still so many people involved in slavery in, in the mm. production of our food today. And although it might not look exactly the same, but actually that kind of, those experiences of almost like having the blindfold on, almost like, I don't know about you, but... Um, one of the people came around and was like proper like shaking me and almost like throwing me around a bit and I was like oh I'll flip mm-hmm. um, but actually that whole idea of being in almost like complete darkness being thrown like mm. that is just that kind of idea of the immersive experience but there's there are still many so many people that are involved in slavery and in the production of our food mm-hmm. and I think mm. um, 
it's one of those things to think actually we're pointing back to kind of slavery historically but this is going on as well today and you're like ah man yeah so for you for you guys do you, did you enjoy it did you like did you think it was good you think it's bad you don't have to give it like a five star <laughs> in all honesty i did not enjoy it i did not enjoy it at all i thought it was good um, I will be reflecting on it probably for many, many years. It taught me a lot, but I didn't enjoy a single second of it. Mm. I'm someone who these guys know loves to be in control, but actually that runs quite deep. There was, and I think my, <laughs> my blinkers of, I do not feel safe. I do not feel safe. <laughs> we're going off. And actually I was thinking about how abrupt it was. It was no... Um, it just felt totally invasive mm. and it was as if it doesn't matter what you think about this. Mm. It doesn't matter what you think about the food journey. Mm. This is what we think and you will think this way. Mm. And so even though I actually agree with a lot of what they were saying and I am appalled by the way that, yeah, like James said, people are in slavery for our food mm. and that's awful. I don't like there was no if I didn't and I was in that journey that would have been I, even worse, I think. Yeah. So it was, It was. I came out of it a little bit like I came out of, um, <laughs> what's that film with Matthew McConaughey when he goes into space? Oh, Interstellar. Interstellar. I came out of Interstellar. This is funny. In a side note about Abby, I don't like dark films at all. <laughs> and I came out of Interstellar being like, I hated every second of that. But I really respect it. Yeah. Like really, really respect it. And I kind of felt the same way coming out of the food journey. Yeah. It's almost like, they kind of did their job. Yeah. The fact that you didn't enjoy it, if that makes sense, to some degree. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you have a bad character. You have an evil character in a film. Yeah. You're supposed to hate them, in a sense. You're supposed to hate the fact that it was so, like, kind of emotional. And like James was saying, the fact that there's people that still are in this situation, it's kind of almost like, well, you've... We've now, the three of us, had kind of a glimpse into what it is like to be... Like to have your control taken away from yeah. you, to have your your knowledge of what's going to happen next taken away from you, and you're just stuck in this situation for however long it's going to be for. Mm-hmm. James, how did you find it? I mean, it's definitely something I wouldn't book for my a birthday party. <laughs> I think um, I'm not going to sort of like for my 28th be like, hey, everyone, let's we're going to do the food journey. But I think in similar, like, that learning thing, that kind of experience, and I think for me I'm someone that um, kind of almost that experiential stuff really does have a high impact, Um, like, for me, especially in how I then sort of, like, go on for action afterwards. Um, But, yeah, and also some of the food was, like, some of the food, like, because you have no idea what you're eating, (laughs) so I'm like, I literally don't know what I'm eating. I'm blindfolded. (laughs) Um, some of it was really, really tasty. Some of it, I was like, I think at one point I ate like a whole bay leaf. And I was like, <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, I've got this, like, you know, like, we're not talking sort of like, and because I'm blindfolded, my sense of taste is heightened. And I'm like, I was, I was glad when I had like some proper beige food after that. Yeah. I'm like, you know, the only time I was really glad of that. Like, it was just like, okay. Yeah, so there was moments where like they'd give you something which was just meant to chew, not swallow, yeah. yeah. and then you finish it and you'd be like, where do, where do I put this? Yeah. Where is this in your hand? And you've got like all this mushy food. Yeah. <laughs> there was something that was 
slimy. Do you remember the yeah, slimy yeah, yeah, thing? Yeah, by the way, it was totally things. vegetarian, wasn't it? Yeah, totally, yeah, vegetarian. totally vegetarian. I was really relieved by that because there's a lot of meat and, and fish and stuff I, I literally would throw up <laughs> if I had to eat. But um, there was something slimy and it went all over my hands and then oh. everything I ate after that tasted like that thing. Yeah. And I could, I was like, oh. And I didn't feel like I could ask any questions. I feel like I would have been hit by a branch or something if I asked a question. So do you feel like these kinds of experiences, these really like immersive experiences, which are kind of meant to transport you somewhere else, do you think they're helpful? Do you think if like more people did them, we live in a society where people are more aware of what's going on around them, are, are, are more aware of how connected they are to the world, and do you think that would inspire more change? Or do you think... Do you think it's not necessary? Do you think there's better ways or other ways to kind of achieve that? I think, sort of like when I was saying earlier about the whole idea that you don't, when you're buying something, you don't see the person behind the till, I think it helps to almost like break down that wall mm. that actually you might not see the person behind the, the till, but you've you've got a glimpse into, you've got a little bit of an insight, mm. although you don't know what it feels like, but kind of those experiences are often good to kind of like, hit on the empathy mm. um, and help us to experience just a glimpse of what it's like for these people in their reality. Mm. Um, and I think it is really good just to kind of almost, sometimes just for a perspective thing, to really lift kind of like the scales of our eyes, almost mm. to see into that, get a glimpse into that world and that space. Yeah, I feel like it kind of reminds me of the conversation I had with Michael Bonet mm. in the idea that, you can have experts in the field like kind of explaining things to you verbatim and it's good and that's needed and it's necessary but there is something to be said about kind of this a, like a different experience mm. and I feel like in a way the food journey was kind of like this kind of mm. put together art production yeah. and um, I feel like art is able to bring you into something that just telling you about wouldn't do. Mm. Um, so actually, I do feel like, and, and in the way that you know, we as a community and we, the we are tier fund community, think about actually the ways that we we we're going to engage our friends or our loved ones about the think the justice journey that we care about. It's actually thinking, you know, it's not just about shouting, "This is wrong and this is wrong and this is right and this is why you should do this," but it's actually about you know doing the most you can to take that person on the journey. And from every angle, whether it's giving them just hard, cold facts or whether it's giving them a story, a really important, like a really touching story that's real to you and important to you, whether it's putting on an entire food journey production for them. Mm. Um, I think it's just important, I guess, that we're always aware of the different avenues to get people engaged in this. I yeah. think there's something really profound. Um, even though I didn't enjoy the <laughs> food journey, um, I have done other immersive, like, kind of immersive experiences, and enjoy them or not, think they're good or not, they do change the way you see things mm. forever. And um, there's, I think, there's something really profound and actually really holy um, in us stepping out from where we are, like James said, and taking those like, to the scales off and stepping into where somebody else is mm. because that's what Jesus did. Mm. And he stepped out of his perfect, glorious, in, like earth-shaking, um, amazing place in heaven with God at his right hand. And he stepped into earth mm. and that, that is the most amazing thing anyone has ever done. That changed history forever, didn't mm. it? Um, it took him stepping into our mess 
it took him eating with prostitutes and tax collectors, like the lowest of the low, and touching lepers and beggars mm. and healing people. And it changed the people around him. It changed their perspective. The disciples constantly saying, Jesus, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. And he was always saying, no, I came for this. Mm -hmm. And I think we're called to do that. We're called to to see those people and say, we are Jesus' hands and feet now. Like he is with us, but he he calls us to do those things. Mm -hmm. He calls us to eat with the poorest of the poor and to sit with them and to have relationship with them and that might mean that we we can't we shouldn't you know fly out to Bangladesh and go and see them in a in um, in a sweatshop mm. but we can remember them when we choose what we buy we can financially give to organizations that are making a difference mm. and um and that's what we're called to and I think that the ultimate that's almost the ultimate immersive experience isn't yeah. it of being like Jesus came down for us so we got to get a wiggle on and start doing that for others because yeah. that's what we were called to yeah that's really that's awesome Abby James thanks for coming on the podcast today it's Thank been you. great chopping it up and reminiscing about <laughs> the, <laughs> the food future. Day. yeah um, <laughs> yeah if you could leave if you could leave the listeners with one thing about actually how to take a hold of this world that we're connected to what would you say sounds really cheesy but what would Jesus do <laughs> tea yeah <laughs> mic <Nice>. drop <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether or not I can follow that <laughs> no in, in like, yeah just following um, Jesus' example in the best way that you can and no like James said earlier like it's you're allowed to make mistakes we all are and just try little bit, little bit by little bit mm. one foot after the other Cool. Thank you everyone for listening. We're back on the first Monday of next month with a new episode. If you liked what you heard today, then hit subscribe.